for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is June 29th, 2021, and today's podcast guest is Eric Hammond from the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. All right, welcome to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and today's episode is 167. And today's podcast is all about hunting in Iowa. And the reason being is because Eric was born and raised in Iowa, still hunts Iowa. He's an Iowa boy at heart. But I want to get down to the nitty-gritty of the hunting culture in Iowa. You know, basically, I want to find out if... It is frowned upon to kill a lesser deer in Iowa, you know, amongst the community there. That's something I'm intrigued by, and we we dive into it. Eric, he's a good, you know, he's first of all he's a good podcast host. He he helps co-host the Working Class Bowhunter podcast. Uh, one hell of a welder as a trade, but he's a good deer hunter too. And I want to talk to him today about hunting whitetails in Iowa. And that's what we got. That's what we get into. With that being said, I want to thank you guys for all the support, all the downloads. It is greatly appreciated. I cannot thank you guys enough. And I just want to preempt that I am sitting out in the garage with the garage doors open, and it's a beautiful night. Drinking some bush lights. Great conversation. You're gonna hear cars go by. You're gonna hear motorcycles go by. You're gonna hear ambulances go by. So. It's just what it is. It's a beautiful night. Suns went down. It's nice and cool out here. I'm going to enjoy the summer evening. So I'm going to get over this interview with Eric, and hopefully you guys enjoy it as much as I did. All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast. And today I've got a guest on none other than co-host from the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast, Eric Hammond. Eric, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm in... uh... I've been waiting for you to text me to see when I can come on the show. I know. You're like the last, you and Ross are like the last guys that I have yet to have on the podcast from the crew. And, you know, saving the best for last. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, I was going to say, because Ross, he's got like, you know, he's got 10 200-inch deer in his man cave. So (laughs) you got to save him for last. Well, you know, when you have a, a, a place called... Uh, what what did what did Doug call the, his place? The two hundred. Uh, 
what was it? Club two hundred. Club two hundred. That's I mean, when you've got a barn or a man cave that's called Club two hundred, I mean, I I think you've pretty much made it. Yep, yep. He's definitely made it. I mean, you you said it right. It's a barn, you know, just dedicated to hunting and hanging out and partying. I mean, what else could you ask for, really? <laughs> that's right. He's got he's got it made. Well, I'm saving the best for last. I'm sure Kurt. Doug and Austin uh, are just listening to this and just saying, hey, you know, why are you shitting on me? You know, basically because I'm saving you and Ross for last. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The two bearded guys. That's all right. I'm clean shaved. I, you know, I can't grow a beard. You know, it, it is what it is. I'm, maybe I haven't hit puberty yet. I don't know. But uh, I'm Be just thankful, man, because I got I got your mind like every other day, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, you're more of a man than I am. <laughs> it's a real pain in the ass. Oh man! Well, today I want to get into some unique, unique uh, conversation. I guess unique to me, but you're an Iowa boy. You grew up in the Holy Land, and uh, you still live there. You hunt there. You've hunted there your yep. whole life. And I want to pick your yep. brain. I, I've been thinking about this for a while. I want to pick your brain about the Iowa mindset, the culture, the hunting around it, because. You know, Michigan, PA, Wisconsin, New York, states like that, really rich hunting, you know, tradition. But I feel like a lot of states are that way, but I really want to know what Iowa's all about. And uh, I thought no better person to have on, but you'd talk about that. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's, uh, yeah, like you said, I grew up here and been hunting here my whole life. I don't... I don't know any different, you know. I didn't hunt out of state till just a few years ago, so everything before that was right here in Iowa. So that's where I want to start. Did you grow up? You know, obviously you grew up in Iowa, but did you start hunting as a at a young age, ten, twelve, ten, eleven, twelve, somewhere in there? Or was it kind of later in life? Nope, it was right at. We can get our uh, we can take our hunter safety course at twelve. And then draw your own tag at 14. So, like, before you're 14, you can still draw a tag, but, like, I would have to be with my dad or accompanied by adults. Yep. So, but, yeah, I took my hunter safety course when I was 12 years old. My old man grew up deer hunting, you know, shotgun season. And I would wake up every every weekend and see him leave and just wishing I could go with him. But it wasn't until he wouldn't let me go until I was 14, so... Yeah, that day that that year I turned fourteen. I don't think I slept a freaking <laughs> for one minute that night. Now I was rich tradition of gun drives, right? Like you know, drives yep. with shotguns and stuff like that. So is that how it was back in the day? Like, is that was that kind of your hunting style? I mean, because you were born into that, or like, how was your style back in the day when you started? Yeah, yeah. My my old man had a group of guys that he had been hunting with for years and you know, they they had this property by the the Wapsie River, which is a river that's just a couple miles away and it was oh, I don't know, hundred and twenty acres down there and they've been they were hunting that for oh shit, I don't know, twenty years or so. And that's what we did. We went second season shotgunned. And the property owner was hunt, would hunt with us, and they had a cabin down there. And, um, you know, we would go down weekend before opening or before second season, and we'd chop wood and, you know, get the cabin all cleaned up. 
and just get everything ready for that opening day. It was pretty pretty cool experience back then. But you know, yep, we grew up doing deer drives, and that's just, I mean, that's how I learned how to hunt. Now, was there any specific like method to the madness? Like when you were going to do your deer drives, was it like? You know, you have sitters, you have pushers, or was there like a certain formation that you did? Or there's got to be some sort of rule that, you know, you're not whizzing ammo by other hunters, right? I mean, was there a certain <laughs> safety precautions taken for all this stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My old man always told me, you know, if you're sitting, mm-hmm. make sure you're behind a tree. And then if you're a pusher, mm-hmm. you know, do like a zigzag formation so you're cover- trying to cover as much ground and getting close to the guy next to you that's pushing also, you know, so you kind of meet him, and then you'd split off and go the other way and then come back, you know, so you're kind of zigzagging. But you would go from tree to tree, you know, in case you did hear someone firing at you pretty much. Right. That you're you're hoping at that point you're behind a tree. (laughs) Don't want to get caught in limbo there in between the two trees. No, no, no. I've, I've... Luckily, when I've heard, I have heard bullets whiz by me, and I was behind a tree, and that is by far one of the scariest moments of your life. Yeah, I can only imagine. Now, what you've got to see some big ass deer pushing sections. What's the biggest deer you've ever laid eyes on pushing a section? Oh man, probably, probably a one forty. Okay, okay, nothing bigger That's, than that I pushing mean, out a section. No, we're kind of we're kind of in a weird spot where we're at. We're right in the middle of the state, as far east as you can go. Okay, like, we have good deer here, but we don't have like what everyone thinks of Iowa. You know what I mean? I got you. See, so you're like, like an anomaly. Of, like you, you, you kind of have like the you're in Iowa, but you know you might like your biggest deer. Like, what's your biggest deer? Like, what are you shooting for? Not your personal biggest deer, but like if you kill this certain size deer, like. Like, you're really doing something. 170. Okay. I mean, that's a big deal. 170 is that buck for me. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. And I have seen those, but just not when we used to, you know, do deer drives and stuff yep. like that. I got gotcha. you. So, because then, back then, you know, and we weren't setting up trail cameras. We weren't doing all the stuff we do now. It was basically... It was basically a reason to get all the guys together, do a little bit of hunting, and then drink all night long. That's <laughs> <is> what it was. <laughs> no, now that brings up a good point, though. Like, when did you start taking hunting like really serious? I mean, you always probably thought like I did. I know when I was younger, I was like, I I hunt all the time and everything. But like, when did you really start getting serious about like pursuing bigger animals, running trail cams? like just consumed in it all all year round like what age were you at for me that was when i was 21 21 22 ish right in that area because actually we i i quit deer hunting hunting it wasn't really by choice but so that property that i grew up hunting they got really big into bow hunting so they wanted to start running trail cameras and putting food plots in and start to actually grow some deer because it's getting like everyone down there shotgun hunting, you know, the old saying is brown, it's down. So, I mean, it was just pretty much a slaughter down that whole 
river bottom every shotgun season. Yep. So they kind of want to turn their property into that property where they could keep deer and grow deer, which they've done to right now. They've done really an awesome job, but then, so then they said, we're not going to shotgun hunt anymore. So we quit shotgun hunting when I was, I think 16. Okay. So then 16 to 2021, I did not hunt at all. So you didn't even, you, so you weren't even a bow hunter at an early age. It was just all shotgun. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I never even shot a bow until I was 20 years old. No kidding. Okay. What made you get into bow hunting, you know, around that? Was it a friend, dad? Like who was your kind of mentor then? It was actually Doug Schmidt from the podcast and his brother, Scott. Okay. Because I've known them they were really good friends with my cousin, you know, and I'd always go to my cousin's house and party, and that's how I know Doug and Scott. And then when I was working at Deer, a guy in my department was like, hey, I got a bow for sale. Are you interested? I'm like, you know, at that point, I'm like, screw bow hunting. I just gun hunt and all this <laughs> shit, you know. But that's how we grew That's how I grew up. My old man's like, I'm not shooting no damn bow, you know. So, of course, I'm going to say that. Yeah. And then, uh, and then Scott actually worked with me at deer and he's like dude just buy it just buy it. you can come home my parents farm let's get back into hunting all this shit so i'm like you know it's a psc nova or something dude that was my first bow you know was it really yeah psc nova man my first compound bow ever yeah and then this guy had it for sale is like the bow a side arrest uh arrows the case and everything it was like 200 bucks he wanted for it so i'm like Whatever, I'll just buy it and I'll try it, but I don't see myself getting into it, you know. And then, uh, so finally that I I got it and I started shooting. I'm like, okay, I can get into this, you know. I can go out and shoot a few arrows every day and stuff like that. And then next fall, Scott was like, hey, draw a doe tag or in any sec an antlers tag for Washington County, which is where their farm is. And I was like, okay. So I drew a doe tag, and that fall I actually shot my first doe off their farm with a bow. And from that moment, I've been hooked ever since. What was your what was your like what what was that feeling like when you I oh, mean man, when you I, pull back and you hit you see the arrow hit that deer like do you remember that feeling What was that like? Oh yeah, I remember letting that arrow go. I smoked a doe, and I actually seen her go down, and I could have chucked that bow. 400 yards i was so freaking excited i was shaking i was high-fiving i'm I'm glad i had a harness on because i probably would have fell out of the tree but it was just it was that's the moment that got me hooked on bow hunting okay so that you've been only bow hunting for 10 years then right yep yep so out there, yeah. Yeah, so you're relatively, I mean, kind of new to bow hunting in a way. I mean, 10 years is a long time, I get it. But, like, I mean, you're still relatively pretty new to it. So, like, to go back 10 years ago, what was the culture in Iowa? And what I mean by that is, like, you know, there's a reason why the biggest deer come out of Iowa. And there's it's it's a culmination of things, in my opinion. You know, it's... There's not a ton of people that live there in a lot of areas, which helps, you know, right. not a lot of pressure. But, like, there's got to be some, like, unwritten rule amongst people that it's like, we just don't kill little deer. 
Like, is that the culture? Was that the culture 10 years ago? Or how was it when you got into it? Was it like, re, re, was it really frowned upon to kill smaller deer? Well, I mean, it wasn't frowned upon, but like going to the Schmitz, they have, I mean, his dad has a 206 on the wall and Doug has a 180 something. Scott has a 180 something. So it's like, I kind of walked into that big buck killer group right away. Sure. So my first buck, my first, I only shot one buck with my shotgun and his little pork horn, you know, the, the Y buck as we call it. (laughs) And when I pick up a bow and that was the only buck I ever shot. So going out, seeing all them deer on their wall, I'm like, I got to shoot a 150 inch deer for my first buck. Yep. But then, but then that whole first year, Scott would hang in the tree with me, you know, just kind of show me the ropes and what to do, what not to do and all that kind of stuff. And then the, the following fall, I ended up taking my first buck, and he went like one twenty-five. Great, which first I was freaking. Oh yeah, oh yeah, first first bow buck. I mean, it was freaking awesome. He come running in and didn't even have a chance. I stopped him, shot him, and he ran about fifteen yards and piled up. It was it's pretty amazing. Okay, so walking into a big buck family, like you said, the Schmitz, they've killed giant deer. All of them have. Killing your first buck. All of them. All of them have, and even Doug's mom killed a giant. Was it last year or two years ago? With every year, <laughs> every year, and is the luckiest woman alive. I think <laughs> I'm pretty sure Doug's family just pisses us excellence every day they wake up. <laughs> oh, they do. I mean, the one year Ann was running the auger cart when they're picking corn, and this buck runs out, and she just comes out and shoots it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's just so bizarre the way they just fall in well, the way she falls in the big deer I guess well hey I, I don't know how that is or why that is but it is what it is so well, we all love it because then we just give Doug shit because he's not killing <laughs> big deer that's awesome oh <laughs> so so coming into you know a big buck killing family like the Schmitz so you come in and kill your first deer great Pope and young deer I mean, a lot of people, more people would kill to just have an opportunity to a deer like that. I know you were Absolutely. ecstatic, but were you also in the back of your head, just to you, were you a little down? I wasn't, man. I Okay, let me back up a little bit. So I this deer comes in, I shoot it, I see it go down, like it's on the ground, doing the death kick, you know, just sitting there trying to get up back up, but it can't. Yep. And then this like 170 inch comes walking in. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, no way is this happening. Like I'm still freaking out in the tree stand. Cause he ran kind of behind me. So I'm looking behind me watching him and he finally quits kicking. So then I like turn around to get situated, sit back down in this 170 inches, 40 yards away looking at me. I'm like, Oh no! I'm like, did I just screw up? Did I screw up? But then I'm like, nah, he'll be here next year. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> and then, and then I got back in the excitement mode. But yes, for a small second there, I thought I screwed up. So you never felt bad at all for shooting sure, no, up, no, not, not one bit. Okay, no. Okay, which which excites me. I mean, I know it was your first deer, but dude, like. 
it's just one of those things like you know everybody's killed deer that they're like shit you know like i i screwed up there you know it happens it really does but i always wonder about you guys out in iowa you know what i mean because i feel like iowa hunters that have been born and raised there that are diehards get put on a pedestal just because of where they were born does that does that make sense do you kind of feel that way I don't think so. I mean, we do get a lot of shit because, you know, we have the Iowa-Illinois boys. You know, half of us from Iowa, half the guys from Illinois. So we're always giving each other shit. Like, because we don't, we're, we live in Iowa. We should be killing 180-inch deer every year. But I don't, I don't feel the pressure. I know I'm doing the right thing. I'm going to go out there and shoot what makes me happy. And I don't really give a shit what other people think, you know. I like that. I like that, Eric. That's either that's a politically correct answer or that you really feel that way. <laughs> no, I really do, man. I mean, even if I shot another 125 inch, am I going to get shit for it? Of course I am. Yeah, you will. But, but those, you know what? That's, I'm sorry, go but ahead. But I'm happier in hell that I shot that deer. Hell yeah, you know man. I mean? And you're going to get shit from your buddies. And, and I would I would do the same thing, you know, and people, my buddies would give me shit, but that's, you know, that's what buddies are there for. They're they're there to ground you, you know, and, and make right. you. Yep. They're going to be happy as hell for you, but they're also going to give you, they're going to prod a little bit. They're going to give you a little shit, you know. I could shoot a 260-inch deer, and they're still going to give me shit about it. <laughs> believe me. Believe me. After oh, I oh, killed yeah. the Hambino in Iowa, all my friends, for some reason, they've all flipped it around, and I just get shit for it now. You know, they've always flipped it oh, yeah. in some way or shape or form, or, and I just get shit. I could hear that. Oh, you only shot that because it's in Iowa or something <laughs> like that. The, the one I hear all the time is, yeah, he needed another year. You know that, right? Like, he just... Oh, um, yeah. Imagine if he had one more year and, and he had his other, you know, his other side could grow a little bit more and imagine what he could be and, you know, it's like, come on, come on, fellas. <laughs> yeah, and when someone says that, I'm like, fuck you, that- if 150 inch walks out in front of me, I'm shooting that damn thing. Yeah, exactly. I, I so you saying that? What's your criteria in Iowa now? You're 31 years old. You've been hunting 10 years. You've probably killed some great bucks. So what is like? What is the Eric criteria? I always say like, you know, that 145, 150 ish area. Okay. But every year, like. I'm gonna get some shit for this, but I love it. Say it. Like when one walk when when one walks in, you know, and it's like, God, he is 140. <laughs> and then you know how they always look bigger as they're walking oh, away. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and then you're sending a Snapchat to your buddies of it walking away, and then you rewatch. You're like, I just fucked up. <laughs> I just fucked up. Should have pulled the trigger on that one. I know. I've done that multiple times, and it's like. Dang it! And those are the years. Like I, I'm like I'm, or it's like October third. You know, and a nice one thirty five, one forty walks by, and you're like, God, he's making this too easy for me not to shoot him. I'm like, I'm gonna regret this, and then I <laughs> end up don't not seeing shit the rest of the year. Uh, but that's good though. I mean, so with that being said, you know, you're passing up 140 inch deer, so yeah, you're feeling bad about it. But do you feel bad about it because 
of what you think other people will say if you kill it? Or do you feel bad about it because you ultimately think just you yourself screwed up because you you yourself should have shot that deer? Like you would have been happy with that deer, but you were you I feel like you had that something in the back of your head like I'm gonna get a lot of shit for this. Is that ever play into the decision making? Um, not really. Like for me, I know if I'm gonna shoot that deer or not as soon as I see it. You know, you can sometimes you just have that feeling where a deer's walking in and you get like super overly excited. Yep. And I'm like, okay, I'm shooting this deer. I just know it. And then there's sometimes that 140 does walk in. I'm like, you know what? I, I I'm just not feeling it. I don't know if that's a if that's a weird way to to think about it or what, but sometimes it's just like, yeah, I think I'm just gonna let this one walk on by. You know, I wish I could feel the same way because I, <laughs> I wish I could say I I've done the same thing, but I want to kind of put it into Michigan terms for what you're talking about and your 140. That's more of like me watching a hundred. 110 maybe inch deer walk by it's like you know what i mean like i'm just trying to like put that into perspective what it is here it's like man you know i had a deer last year an eight pointer come right underneath me uh i figured he's probably like at the most he probably would have been a 100 inch eight pointer definitely a two-year-old and it was like right when i saw him when he like first appeared i'm like oh god because he had he had decent g2s and i'm like that's a shooter you know and then he kind of like showed himself a little bit more and then i was trying to talk myself into him and i'm like dude don't do that because if you're trying to talk yourself into it you shouldn't shoot him in my opinion that's right. all exactly exactly you know? so it's it's just one of those things it's it's uh to me like you said you know when you see a deer and you you you, you know you just know you know it, right away it is it's either yes or no you know, and if you ever have to second guess yourself, I'll say this. I had a friend text me one time and we were hunting one night. He texts me. He's like, dude, I got this deer here. And he goes on and on about like, should I shoot it? And I came back with, if you're asking me for permission to shoot it, then you shouldn't shoot it. Like that's just, right, exactly. you're trying to talk yourself into it, you know? Yep. Um, yep. There was, I had a deer last year and like he was playing games with me. I, uh, the first time I seen him, I didn't have a truck or anything. He was probably 145-ish. And I seen him about 200 yards out. He was in a picked bean field, and we still had standing corn in our field. And this was like right before, you know, that first week in November where they're getting curious. They're oh, yeah. kind of chasing around a little bit. And that's the first time I seen him. And he's like 200 yards away. I'm like, well, I'm just going to tickle the antlers a little bit and see if he reacts at all. Yep. So I give him a little tickle. He doesn't hear. I I kind of clash them together. And he picks his head up and looks over my direction. And he starts beeline right towards me. And it's getting like, it's getting almost dark. So he gets up to our field, to my field. And he jump. I can see his antlers jump the fence, but then he's behind the standing corn, so I can't see him. And at this point, he can come either three different ways. And the first night, he stepped out at twenty yards, ten minutes past shooting light. Oh, 
And then he did that to me again three more times. Yowzers. <laughs> Ten minutes every time after shooting light. He was playing games with me, and it, I never ended up getting a shot at him. The one, the one night he ended up sneaking all the way. I knew he did the same thing, the same bean field. I give him a tickle, he'd come in. But the one night he ended up circling downwind from me, and I was getting ready to get down, and I turn around, and he's standing 15 yards from me, but it's already too dark. I knew he was on his way over. I just didn't know where he was at, and he's sitting there staring at me. And then I don't know if that was the last time I seen him. I don't know if that spooked him off because he finally caught me or what, but, yeah, he was playing games last year. What kind of caliber of a deer was he? He was like 145-inch. Yep. Great deer. I'm a sucker for them, oh, yeah. man. I'm a sucker for them. Oh, yeah. I'll be honest with you. I, you know, yeah. it's it's hard for me to pass up a 130. Especially not, I'm not passing up a 130 in Michigan. I can tell you that. That's just, right. that's, that's. Um, you shoot that thing, they put you in a newspaper or something, <laughs> don't they? I'm the next Mitch Rumpola. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is true. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to kill a couple good bucks in Michigan. Um, I've killed one Pope and Young uh, and one just shy of 120 and then one like in that one to or 100 to 110 inch and then two right at 100 inches in Michigan. And that's kind of my like, you know, but I don't look back at those deer and say, man, I shouldn't have killed those deer, you know? And I, oh, I just... absolutely. And you, and you can't. No. You can't. I mean... I was actually I'm just... Sure some people do that, but it, I mean, it's not... It's not how it should be. No, I was actually just having a conversation with a guy today, and where I'm building my house right now is on the farm that I call my one-acre farm, and it's got ag field all around me. Nobody lives around me. I mean, there's houses, but they're a ways away. Last night, I'm up to the house and doing some work on it and everything. I look back in the bean field, and I mean, not 100 yards away here, seven bucks are feeding in the bean field. And there's one, I mean, you can tell, he's a good deer. And I, f- I figured out which deer he was. Uh, it's a deer that I was hunting last year. I was going to kill him last year. Uh, I figured he was three years old last year, and I think he's four years old this year. But, you know, I was talking to a guy today, and I said, you know, if if I get that 110, 110-inch deer, and I'm, like, super excited about it, I said, I hunt all over the Midwest, and I've been fortunate enough to kill some good deer out in the Midwest. But I come back home, and for some reason, those deer still get me going. The three-year-old 110-inch deer, I mean, just gets me jacked. And I love it. That's <laughs> you know good. I mean? I mean, I'm sure you've seen a lot bigger deer and a lot more bigger deer than I have, you know, just for what you do for a living. And to get that 110-inch to get you revved up and going, that's awesome. I don't get it. Like I, I almost look for an answer. Like, talk. I'm not talking myself out of it, but I'm almost looking for an answer. Like, why? And I just keep telling myself, it's like you're just passionate about it. You're like you just enjoy it. You enjoy oh, the yeah. animals, you know. And it's, you know, I I can't sit there and say I'm gonna kill. I'm gonna hold out for a 140 or 150 just because it'd be very odd if I see one one a year. You know what I mean in my area. So. For sure. Well, and that's going back to where like. If I shot a 125, yeah, I'm going to get shit for it, but I'm passionate about it, and that's what I love doing. So, you know what I mean? For sure. I, I 
Totally agree. And that's all I ask for for other people. Just be passionate about it. Just do what you're oh, going to yeah. do. You know, don't don't let anybody else dictate. Yeah, you're going to get shit, you know, from your buddies and everything. But just don't let anybody dictate what you're going to do. Do you, you know? Right, yeah. Don't worry about what people are going to say on the Internet because that, that cluster fucks everything up. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Oh, what, what's the culture like around you and your kind of inner circle in, in Iowa, you know, the people you hang out with, the people in your town, like you say, you know, you hunt in Iowa, but like a 140 is a good deer. 145 is a great deer in Iowa. So like, what's the culture around there? You know, are people striving for that? Or is it more of like, you know, people are holding out for the 160s. Like how, what, what, what's it like? What do you hear? What do you, what are you seeing? I think, like, the podcast guys, they're the, they are the most passionate people about bow hunting. And I have other buddies that bow hunt, but they're not, like, passionate about it like we are. Yeah, they'll put out trail cameras and set stands, but they're going in a week before, and they shoot their bows, you know, two weeks before season. You know, I don't have a lot of, like, buddies that I grew up with that are like super passionate about bow hunting like I am. Okay. So those get those buddies, you know, they still enjoy it. They go out all the time and they're they're pretty much shooting whatever walks by, you know, if 120 or 180 come by, they're going to shoot it. I got you. Um So that's what it's kind of like around here and then I live in a real small town, it's like 200 people. So most people do hunt around here, but they're still a lot of people that do not hunt and don't get it. Yep. Do you still have a lot like of people I, that are just going to basically brown it's down? Is that a thing out there? Oh, yeah. I mean, shotgun season is still a huge thing around here. I mean, there's still, I mean, you go out first season, second season on a weekend, and almost every piece of timber has some orange running through it that you can see. I got you. So it's, it's very much still part of the culture out here, and I think, I don't ever see it going away just because so many people just grew up doing it. And it's kind of, I mean, not a, there are still a lot of people doing it, but I think more and more people are getting out of it. Yeah. They're not, you know what I mean? Not a lot of kids are hunting anymore, which is sad. It It is. It but really I, is. But I think you will always see orange out there in the woods during shotgun season. Yep. And that's just like here in Michigan. I mean, rich tradition with rifle season november 15th every year it's a holiday basically i mean they might as well make it a holiday my high school shut down on november 15th you know you always got it off you know it's just it is what it is it's it's opening day deer season and i love it it gives me chills every year when it gets close i love i have a love hate with it though now that i'm a little older like you know if you haven't killed a buck by november 15th in my area with a bow it's really tough. It's tough sledding after that it because is. the deer are just getting kicked everywhere, you know. So is that when your guys' rifle season come in? Yeah, November 15th every year. doesn't matter what day of the week it falls on. It's the 15th of November every single oh, year. Oh, man, that sucks. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, that it does. sucks, dude. Because our, our first gun, we can't hunt with rifles here, so it's, it's shotgun only. Um and that doesn't come in until the first weekend in December. I know it's awesome for us. 
and like like Illinois, yeah, it's, it's like it's like around Thanksgiving kind of their first gun season's more like that twentieth of November and on. Yep, there's like, but they got passed a couple years ago where you can hunt with a bow on an on a gun tag. I think that's how it goes. Oh, is it so got to be a they, resident? So now dirt. Yeah, so like. They can still shoot a deer with a bow during gun season. Okay, I got gotcha. you. But we can't do that here in Iowa. That there's there's a three week span in December where we cannot go out bow hunting. It's how, just how does, only. Does that suck to you? I mean, in your opinion, is that like shit? You know. Um, not really. I mean, it kind of gives you. a a little break because we've been fucking running so hard Yep. since October, you know, all the way to December. And then that's usually when it gets like really freaking cold too. So it's kind of nice to be like, I just bust my ass all season, every weekend. I'm going to take this weekend off. Yep. You know I mean? It kind of gives you that little break. And then, you know, after that second season's over, then archery opens back up and then late muzzleloader comes in also. I got you. And I've been in Iowa for that second shotgun season and then muzzleloader season. I haven't hunted it, but I filmed um, there in that late season. And, boy, if you don't have a Mr. Buddy heater with you, it can be frigid cold. Oh, it's brutal. Especially where I'm at. Like, we don't have, like, I think the highest hill here is, like, 10 feet tall. So it's just (laughs) flat as can be. So if there's a five mile an hour wind, it feels like it's forty. <laughs> She's a gusty one. <laughs> oh yeah, and there's, I mean, there is timber around, but a lot of like around the town I live in, it's completely cornfields. Yeah. And once all that corn comes down, it's just a giant wind tunnel through here. Yeah. Have you since you know, you, like I said, you've been hunting for ten years, basically bow hunting for ten years. Have you had to? adapt a new style since you started or have you evolved like how have you evolved in the last 10 years as a bow hunter do you think um i mean yeah i've had to change a lot of shit because you know when i first started to shoot a bow i kind of got taught the basics but i didn't get taught how to anchor properly or how to do any of that stuff you know i just went out in the backyard and shot at a target Yep. So that was a huge learning curve for me because I got good shooting, you know, not properly anchoring, you know, anchoring like string from your lip to the corner of your nose or nose to the corner of your lip. You know, if I had to change all that up, which when I did, but I shot at. Hang on, just a second. You're breaking up a little bit. You got bad service out there in Iowa. Are we good? You're breaking up. You're in the middle of nowhere. You're flattering a pancake out there, and you don't have any service. What the hell? I know. Well, the town... Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Yep. Okay. Well, the town I live in, we're like we're like in this little tiny bowl. It's it's hard to explain. You'd have to see it. But. So you're in the lowest part of Iowa, so, what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. We're Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> it might be the lowest part of Iowa. <laughs> Anyway, go back to what you're saying. You're I think you were saying you weren't taught how to anchor right and then it started getting all mumbly jumbly there. Yeah, I didn't get 
thought I had an anchor right or anything. You know, I was just flinging arrows in my backyard when I got that first bow because, hell, I'd hardly ever even seen a bow before I bought that first one, you know. So, and then once I got in really into it, after I shot that first year, I'm like, well, I should probably figure out how to shoot better, to kill deer better, and and do everything the correct way, I guess you would yep. say. Yep, I get that. So, and then a couple of years after I was hunting, that's when I got introduced to Kurt, and then that's when Doug came back from college, and then we started hunting hard with him. And that's where I started hanging out with the big buck killers, and that's where my career really took off as a hunter because when you're around guys like that, I mean, they're a freaking textbook. You know, you could ask them anything, and they're going to tell you what to do or how to do it or their suggestion or or what they think would be a good idea, you know? Yeah. You know, I think that really that really took my hunting to the next level is hanging out with people that were hunting for a really long time. Yeah. And from a distance, you know, me, listen, I've listened to Working Class Bowhunter podcast forever. I've been a loyal right. listener for, for a long time. And, you know, getting to know you guys pretty well. Um, never seen meeting you guys face to face, but I talked to Kurt a lot on the phone. Um, you know, I've talked to you a little bit, hey, you're Doug. To come to shoot this year. I, hey, my wife needs a home. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to. I'm putting in the books for next year, though. I swear. I swear to you. <laughs> yeah. But and by I, the way, probably one of the worst times to build a house is right now. Hey, I hear that every day. I don't need to hear it from you. All right. <laughs> I just had to give I just had to give you some shit for that. <laughs> I hear it every day and you know, I just tell everybody, you don't know my situation. You don't know what you know, so it's just like, hey, you know, I'll have, I'll be in a new home soon. So it is what that's it true. is. Well, I'll be eating ramen yeah, noodles for good. the next ten years, but that's all right. So <laughs> Hey, you gotta make sacrifice sometimes, you know. You do. But uh anyway, so what I was saying is, you know, Kurt and Austin, Doug, Ross those guys make it look easy. You know, for you to come into that situation, like, it's almost like, I've got friends like that too. It's just, you know, it's not like if they're going to kill a deer, it's just when, you know, a, bi- a big deer. Right. So it's like, Austin Chandler is, he just shoots giant deer. I mean, that's what he is. That's what yeah. he does, you know? And it's just coming to that. humble guy about it. A hundred percent. He would never, I feel like, and I've never met Austin face-to-face, but I've talked to him quite a bit, had a podcast with him, talked to him on the phone a little bit. And everything I hear from people like Jeremy Beck talk about him and everything, it's like that guy doesn't – he'll be the first one to congratulate you on any buck that you kill, and he'll never be like, oh, look at my deer that I killed. He would never say that he said – and oh, I'm yeah. like, that that that's a solid dude right there, you know. Never in a million years would he – he hardly even talks about it a deer when he's around. Yeah, and but what I'm getting at is like you saying it's a textbook. You have an an a whitetail encyclopedia at your disposal, so you came into a great situation. Oh yeah, for sure. And then I'm the type of guy too when I like when I'm into something, and I know I am. I'm gonna learn as much shit about it as I can. Yep. Like when I when I knew I was gonna dive into bow hunting, I'm like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm going balls deep into bow hunting. 
and I'm going to try and learn everything I can about it. And that's where those guys made it made it way easier and helped out a shit ton for me. Have you over the years? Yeah, and I could definitely see that. So, have you ever being around all those guys in the WCB crew? Like, you know, you guys have a lot of guys and gals on the crew. Like being around all those guys and gals, hunters that have been doing great things. Have you ever felt like, you know, it, it, there comes a time each fall where like all your buddies are knocking down great deer and it's like, you haven't killed one. It's like, God, I really got to kill one. You know, do you ever get to that point where it's like, man, I really, I, you know, the pressure's on like the pressure just, um, you know, went tenfold. Do you ever get to that point or do you just kind of stay down Eric's path and just what it is is what it is. What, whatever happens happens. I wish I could say I stay down my own path, but it does, like, you do kind of feel that pressure because, like, in the back of your mind, you know, you know, the podcast factor, we need content, we need all that stuff, and then, you know, the Illinois guys, they're knocking down deer every freaking year, you know, and they're giving us shit because, oh, where are you at, you Iowa boys, you know, because <laughs> me and Doug haven't killed anything for the last couple years, so it's always giving us shit. So there is a little bit of pressure, but at the same time, it's like, you know what? I'm still out here doing what I love. I'm, pa- I'm still passionate about it. That hasn't changed at all. So I'm just gonna see what happens. Yep. If that if that sounds right. No, I, I it does sound right. And from what I've gathered from you, just hearing you over the years in the podcast, and what you know, all the guys have told me about you is like you're you stick in your path and you're passionate about it you're uh you're a sponge you listen to it all you take it in you just do your thing and you're humble about it and that's what i i freaking love that combination because you don't really care and this is just me forming my own opinion about you you don't care about what other people are doing uh you just you're gonna do you and you're gonna love it man you're just gonna live every day yep that's how i always been you know i don't i if you don't like me, well then guess what? I really don't care. I won't talk to you. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm still gonna go do my own thing and and you know down my own path. So, but yeah, that's how I. I mean, I've always been really laid back and kind of just don't give a shit attitude. You know, like I don't get all worked up about stuff and get all upset. Like if if I miss a deer, yeah, I'm upset about it. But you know what? I'll still be out there the next morning. Yeah. I can I can let that shit go pretty easy. Yeah. And that's good. I talked to Kurt, him and I did a podcast not too long ago. I I talked to him about, you know, he missed a buck this year. I missed a good Michigan buck this year, and we kind of talked about like how do you pick yourself up after a miss? You know, like you work yourself up for me, I I go into every season thinking I'm going to get one opportunity. That's it. You know, if I get more, that's yeah. a bonus. But I'm trying to get one opportunity and make the best of that opportunity. And when I, for lack of a better word, fuck up on it, it, how do you pick yourself up? So if you miss a great deer, how are you picking yourself up? Do you have a little routine that you do? Or how do you get back on the horse and you, hey, I'm going back out tomorrow morning. I'm getting back up there and just try to keep the morale up in your own head. Like, how, how do you do that? Well, I've always had the attitude kind of like shit happens yep like yeah i fucked up what i do wrong and how can i fix it i'm kind of like that okay yeah i know i fucked up 
but what do I got to do to make sure I don't do that again? Right. And that's what kind of drives me to get out there the next day to make sure I don't make that mistake again. Sure. You know, if I, I, in my career, I'm a welder for, for a living. So say if I have a weld break, I'm going to do everything in my power to figure out why that weld broke and how to make sure it doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. So that's how I am. Yeah, the weld did break. Yes, I did miss that deer. But how do I make it better where I'm not going to do that, make that mistake again? Yep. I could see that. And so it, it's a hard, it's a hard hill to climb though. You know what I mean? It's, Oh, it is for sure. You know, I, when I missed last year, I wanted, I wanted to take my tether from my safety harness and basically just wrap around my neck and just kind of slip off the stand <laughs> as bad as that sounds. Right. You know, it's, you work up so much and I'm so passionate about it and I've got a competitive side to me. I mean, that's just human, but you know, I was big into sports in high school and college, and I've just got I'm competitive, and and I'm only competitive to myself. You know, I'm not trying to beat anybody else out, but sure. when I set a goal and a deer I want to go after, he was the one of the deer that I wanted to kill, and I have not killed a deer on this farm. I've been hunting it since 2016. Have had close calls, have yet to kill one on this farm. It's just like everything came to a head. And I rushed the shot, stopped the deer when I shouldn't have stopped the deer. He was on alert. He was, uh, he was a poke, you know, it was a, it was a 46 yard shot and I blew it, you know, and it just, I could have all the excuses in the world, but that is a tough hill to get back up once you fall. And it's, you gotta have that kind of, like you said, like, I don't give a fuck mentality, like shit happens. Yeah. And I don't, I, I guess I've. I mean, it's like, and it, it pisses her off, but I don't let anything bother me. I don't let anything get to me. Like, I understand you can be pissed off for a whole month or whatever, but it's like, yeah, you fucked up, but just get back out there and you're going to feel a lot better than back out there. Yep. You might you know piss and I mean? moan for a day or two, but everybody doesn't want to be around you, but you'll get back out there. Right, because I, I actually, I hit a deer, let's see, two or three years ago. And he was cold, and I shot. I shot too far forward, and it caught that shoulder on the opposite side. Yep. And um, I thought I made a good shot. I didn't see it, right, but it's it's in the right area. I seen him run. And I thought I heard him crash, but then I wait till dark. I get down, and I'm finding. You know, the size of your pink drops every 15 feet. And I'm like, this ain't good. Not good. So I yeah. called Doug. He's like, back out. We'll go in the morning to look for him. So I'm, uh, I immediately go home. I tell my wife. She's like, well, you're not sleeping tonight, are you? I'm like, hell no. <laughs> so then I, I crack a few beers, you know, sit there, think about it. Where could he be? Where is he going to run to? Trying to play out the whole scenario in my head of what happened and uh finally it was like 2 30 in the morning i called doug i'm like hey you still awake he's like yep he goes you want to go look for a deer don't you I'm like yep he's like all right i'm on my way so he, and like if i find last blood and i gotta back out i always take a lighted an arrow with a lighted knock 
yep. and shove it in the ground just so I can go right back to that spot. So we go back to that spot, and what he ran into was like his shit ever, which they always do. So Doug's like, all right, I'll get on my hands and knees. I'm like, I'm going to go out to the field edge and see if we saw it standing corn then. See if he ran down this edge. Well, when he got to that field edge, he was just spraying blood out one side. So I yelled at Doug. I'm like, sweet. He's spraying blood. He comes out. And he's like, oh, man, this deer's dead. This deer's dead. So then the deer runs down the field edge. It gets to the corner of my field and heads east, and he starts jumping from mine to the neighbors, mine to the neighbors, mine to the neighbors, and finally we get to this little patch of tree that's in the fence line and just a giant puddle of blood, my arrow, and no deer. Ah. Nothing. And we search for another, I think, two or three hours for another drop of blood. Never found anything after that, and then... The next morning, we backed out again. Like, okay, we'll bring a group of guys out tomorrow to look for him. And we had a whole bunch of guys, and we we searched every field within two miles of where that blood was, and we couldn't find shit. Damn it. That sucks. Yep. Yep. It was, it was definitely devastating. But, you know, the next weekend, I was right back in that same tree stand. Hoping he was going to walk by. I, I, th- I haven't seen him, but I think he's still alive somewhere. Okay. I think. That's like I, I said, man. That's sure, a, that's a tough hill to climb. That's a tough pill to swallow. You know, and get back. Oh yeah, it was. It. I mean, after that one, it definitely. I didn't want to go hunting, but I made myself go hunting, and I'm glad I did. You know, once you sit down in that tree stand, you're like, "Yep, this is where I'm supposed to be." Yeah. My dad, he calls it the pus fairy. You know, when you pus up a deer, he calls it the pus fairy got me. There was a year. Oh, yeah. My first year of college would have been 2007, I believe. Um, And I went off to college a couple hours away from home. And I was wrapped up in playing baseball, and, and I didn't hunt a lot. And he calls me one day, and he goes, I just shot a big one on our family farm and uh he goes i think i hit him a little low or whatnot this was on like october 2nd like the first week of october i want to say it was like the second and uh he's like it could be my biggest deer and he's killed some damn good michigan deer like he's killed a couple around the 130s he's got like four or five bucks between that 120 and 130 area he's killed some good ones and he's only ever hunted michigan so he's like i killed a good one or I shot a good one, hit him low. He tracks it for like a day and a half, runs out of blood, can't find him, will not go hunting again. He's like, the pus fairy got me. I'm not going to, he like, he was just down. Like it took him like all of October to even get back in the stand. And really, yeah, it took my uncle and a couple of his buddies to like basically drag him to the stand one morning. And he goes in there and once you know it, he smokes another good one right underneath the stand, okay. literally, literally walked underneath his tree and he could see the deer underneath, like came in from behind him. He could see the deer through the grate of the tree stand. He shot him at like four steps, runs off, dies. Great buck, like a real nice eight pointer. And it was just like, you know, 
it was twice. It happened twice, but he just calls it the pus fairy, you know, and it just gets the best of you. And it's just one of those things that like you try to get up after a hard loss, you know, and yeah, it yeah. Bas- he wasn't going to go hunt that day. He was going to go to work. And they're like, nope, nope, you're going, you're going. Basically push him out the door to, like, get your stuff on, go hunting, and that happened. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. Like, really? (laughs) (laughs) He's just that lucky. He is. He is. But he he killed a good deer this year with his gun on that farm. Um, First one in a while, uh, 2007, I think, was the last time he killed a real good deer. And then he's been really picky, though. you know, he's to that point where he's like, he wants to get that higher age class and kill better deer. And this oh, one, yeah, he killed sure. a good nine pointer this year. So, well, it sounds like you got all the hookups in Iowa. Just tell him to start drawing, you know? <laughs> I know it. If I could, I was trying to get him to go to Illinois this year, down where our lease is in Illinois. It's a great area. And he's like, I just got too much stuff going on. And I'm like, God, I, he's never hunted out of state. I'm getting him to go out of state here eventually soon. Soon before he can't do it anymore. So boy, it sounds like you just need to drag him out the door and just <laughs> shove him in the truck and take off. Is what it sounds like. It might come to that, really. Just pack all his shit up for him. Just say, "Hey, we're going for a little drive," and then all of a sudden you're in Illinois. <laughs> there you go. I'm waiting for Geyer to open up his farm so he can come down and hunt his farms. Oh yeah, good luck. <laughs> Oh, uh, I got, so I got a couple more questions here before we wrap this up. But the, the one question I have here before we, I want to get into a rapid fire question where it's just like, I'm going to ask you a question and you just answer it. But before that, I want to, I want to paint a picture for you. Like if you could have like the perfect, like the perfect moment where you can sit back and say, I've made it in my deer hunting adventures like career whatever you want to call it what is that is that like a caliber of deer where you like sit back and you're like i've accomplished my super bowl like what would that be dude that's a tough question i know and not a lot of people ask that on podcasts i listen to so i always like to ask it no that's a hard one man i don't you know i would like to say like a 200 some inch deer Let's be realistic. I mean, not that a 200 is not realistic, but, like, you know. Because I think everyone, like, there's that that 200-inch mark is, like, a milestone. Like, you just won the Super Bowl. But I'm still going to be out there hunting after that. Like, it's not going to be like, I've made it. Now what do I do? Right. You know what I mean? Nothing that would make you, like, quit hunting, but something that might take the pressure, like, the self-inflicted pressure off you and be like, I've done what I wanted to do. Now everything's just a bonus. Like, what is that, Mark? I still don't know. I never really thought about it, to be honest with you. See? That's what I'm here for. That's probably a shitty answer, but... It's a terrible (laughs) answer. I guess. (laughs) I know. I... I mean, if I had to answer, probably 200 class inch, you know, 200 inch buck. Hit that 200 inch mark. Okay. Would be my my mm-hmm. winning the Super Bowl. I accept that answer. Mm-hmm. So, I'm gonna hit you with some rapid fires here. Or then. can I can I do can I make that a two part? You can make it a two part. Hey, this is your this is your, you know, not your podcast, but it's you know you've got the floor. So let's hear it. 
I think it's well. My old man hasn't hunted since we quit uh, shotgun hunting, and his whole life deer hunting, he has never shot a buck. So I think if I could get him back into hunting and get him a buck, that would mean the world to me. I think. Eric, why have you not done that yet? Oh, I, dude, trust me, I've tried. I've tried. I'm like, Dad, I will give you a bow. Trust me, I have the resources. I can set you up with everything. And he's just like, I'm too old. My body's falling apart. I can't pull a bow back. And he just has no interest in it. But I I, I think I'm, every year it's, it's getting closer and closer. So I'm going to really push him this year and try and get him out there. Set Even if up, it's with a gun. I'll take him, up, I'll set take him up with a cross gun. Or whatever. A cross gun? Yeah, set him up with a cross gun. Just let him just let him get out there and shoot something with a some sort of a bow. <laughs> right, right. And he said he wouldn't shoot a crossbow, but I'm like you know, the the compound guy's coming out with it at me and I'm like, No, just, <laughs> I can turn I can turn the poundage down on this bow. Like you don't have to pull seventy pounds back to kill a deer. Yep. So I'm hoping I'm hoping this year I can push his buttons a little harder and get him out there. You know, I've I've got a new I call them cross guns, they're crossbows. I've got a newfound respect okay. for crossbows. I didn't know if that was I didn't know if that was something new that came out I didn't hear about yet. But you like, would think it would might be though. talking about. <laughs> oh, you never know anymore. I know. But I've got a newfound respect for him and I I, I don't want to get too far into the weeds on it, but I I uh there's an ambulance going to drive by here in a minute. Everybody's going to hear it because I'm outside recording a podcast. But uh, That's all right. <laughs> hey, it is what it is. It's the situation I got right now. That's right. <laughs> but it, I've got a newfound respect for crossbows. I tried to hunt this year, turkey hunt with a crossbow, and it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And Really? Yeah, I probably let that ambulance go by, and there it goes. Uh, I probably thought it was good. I, I probably made it a little harder on myself than I, than I should have. I told myself no blinds. I had to do it just like I would with a shotgun for turkeys, turkey hunting. Um, I couldn't use like any barriers. I didn't want to be in like any deadfalls, literally on a tree, like you would do with a shotgun. Um, sure. I wanted it to make it as hard as I could. And I'm not going to lie to you, man. I had a rough go at it. I'll just leave it at that. I had a rough go at it, and I ended up basically throwing the crossbow in the in the corner and and finishing the deal with a shotgun. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. Uh, well, was it was it a crossbow's fault or was it because the turkeys weren't weren't working for you? So no, it was definitely probably my fault to be honest with you. Uh, I think it was a lack of preparation. I've never shot a crossbow in my life, um, and I I went into it. Uh, we're sponsored by Matthews and Mission, and Mission makes you know Mission makes crossbow, and and they needed some sure. content, and I was like, well, you know, I'll be a perfect time to, and I want to talk about crossbows, you know, and I want to have like I don't want to just like shit on them and not have any experience with them, so I'm like, I'm gonna try this, right. you know. So first morning out, I roosted a bird the night before, and. We're walking out. I know where this bird's at. He's gobbling in the roost, walking out, trying to set up. I get set up on this tree, 
and get the shooting sticks on, and I, I set the crossbow up, and I'm getting ready to call, and it hits me, and I look at the crossbow, and I haven't even cocked it yet. No arrow in it, no nothing. Like, I just, I'm like a fish out of the water. This, I got in tight to this <laughs> this bird, too. I mean, it's getting daylight. I'm within 100 yards of this bird in the roost. And uh, like, you got to, like, stand up the cocktail thing, yep, right? Yep, yep. Stand, I, so I try to get up as, you know, get to my feet, cock the damn thing, put a bolt in it, sit back down. The bird saw me. 100% he saw me move. And, you know, he gobbled in the roost when he flew down, shut up, and I heard him go the opposite way forever. And I'm like, son of a bitch. And uh, another scenario, a couple days later, I have this bird working out in a field. He comes to 40 yards. I, I'm i shooting a Garmin um, sight on my crossbow where you just, like, hit a button and it ranges and everything. And yep, yep. And uh, I rushed the shit out of it. Um, it was kind of one. I don't know if it was one of those things that was like, ah, oh, this is just a chip shot. I got a crossbow. You know, it's nothing. Um, I ranged 42 yards, shot, went right through his fan, and I went and paced it off, and it was 32 yards. And I'm like, no it, was, it, it wasn't the site's fault. Um, I honestly think what had happened was I hadn't been – I've never used that site before, and – um, there was a com- there was a culmination of things, but it happened quick. I had three. He was with three hens. The hens had me picked because um, I was like a turd in a punch bowl on the edge of a <laughs> edge of a field <laughs> on a tree, and it was like one of those like do or die things. Just go and do it. It was it was right. uh, it was me, you know. And it was honestly, I chalk it up just to a lack of preparation, um, and that is my fault, and that is not me. Like if I don't know something, I'm usually like. Let's let's get it dialed before we start going out doing this, whatever it is. Right. And you want to be comfortable with it before you take it out there. Exactly. And uh, I just kind of took it for granted, like cock the thing, put the sight on him, let her eat. It is not like that. Let her eat. <laughs> you know, it was not like that. It might be that for guys that are, you know, have been shooting crossbow for a while, but for new hunters, it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. And I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you that. So I, I put the crossbow down and got the shotgun out. Next time I went out, I worked the bird. He came into six yards and I mean, let's be honest, turkeys were meant to be shot in the face with a shotgun. So that's ultimately what happened. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, I could have a freaking hand grenade, a bazooka and everything else. And I still couldn't kill a turkey. So <laughs> I, I listened to the podcast with you and Dan, from Nine Finger Chronicles, and you're he asked oh, you yeah. about turkey hunting. You're like, I absolutely hate turkey hunting. <laughs> I I mean I love hunting and being out there. I just fucking hate turkeys. <laughs> the worst animal ever to hunt, in my opinion. They're fun, but it, it I don't get excited for them until about two or three days before the season. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, and it's kind of like, like now if I do go out, it's like, okay, it's 7.30 in the morning. I've been out here for an hour. I'm out of here. Haven't heard a bird chuckle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's how much I hate them. They're fun to... But that could be a whole other podcast of all my stories of how 
turkeys hate me, I guess. Well, next spring we'll have to do that because Doug and I did that this year for turkey hunting, and I'll have to get you on to do a spring edition. Yeah, how good, how good, how good he is at it, and how terrible I am at it. <laughs> yeah, I'll get both of you on, and we'll just have like a like a pissing match back and forth. <laughs> oh boy, he knows too because he. I don't. I never knew it a turkey call or nothing. So he, I always went with him so he could call him in for me. And I, he's like, dude, you just got to be bad luck or something because <laughs> I've he he'll go out the first opening day, first hour and kill a bird. If I go, nah, we're we're hunting the whole freaking season, <laughs> and I won't kill a bird. It's That's bizarre. Funny. That's funny. Well, you ready for some rapid fire questions? Let's do it. All right. Fixed or mechanical broadheads, what do you prefer? Mechanical. Do you are you brand specific? Yes, slick trick, raptor tricks. Okay. Single pin slider. I don't know if we're explaining it. I'm sorry, go ahead. I don't know if we're explaining ourselves or is this one answer question? One answer. Rapid fire. Okay. And if unless you unless you have a great story, we can elaborate. No, go ahead. All right, single pin slider or fixed sight for your for archery? I'm a single pin guy slider. Okay. Are you a hang on with a tree stand or a saddle hunter? Hang on all day. Okay. Binocular of choice, like what what magnification? What do you what for for archery hunting? What is your binocular of choice? Ten by forty twos. Gun caliber of choice. Leupold. Yeah, Leupold's got the best. Gun caliber of choice. If you could only have one gun ever, what would it be? Ever? For hunting. For, for like, whitetail hunting. 20 gauge. Really? Yep. I like against the grain answer there. I like that. Okay. Uh, if you that's had, all, that's all I ever shot growing up. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I, I switched to I switched to a twelve gauge, and that fucker was too heavy. When the <laughs> twenty gauge is actually more twenty gauge is actually more accurate, and it's lighter. So, I have but, heard that though. I've never actually shot a deer with like a slug gun, but uh, I've heard oh, really? twenty. Yeah, yeah, because we can hunt with rifles here, like you know, oh, high yeah, rifles. Right. So, but I've heard twenty gauges are more accurate. Like slug guns, I don't know if that's true, but yep. I've heard that. Yep. Okay. Have a lot lighter. Yeah, I will agree with that. Uh, if you had one day to hunt all year, just one day, what day are you picking? Ooh, November. I'm gonna say November twelfth. Okay. Uh, what animal is at the top of your bucket list? The very tip top. The very top. A red tag. Really? Yep. You're throwing curveballs out here, and I absolutely love it. Why? You didn't think that? No. I honestly, red stag would have been like one of the last things I would have thought of. Really? Yeah. Like a New Zealand giant red stag? I've been out there and got to film them. 
Yeah. Oh it's, man, I would have to. I'd have to add another level to my house just to fit it in here. But <laughs> yeah, if I could go, sign me up. It's. I was. I went out in 2014 on the South Island of New Zealand, and we went out there for two weeks hunting red stag. It was a blast. I won't lie to you. It was a lot of fun hearing them roar hey, and stuff like that. I don't even know where it's at. I don't even know where it's at on a map. But I'll go there and kill some shit, that's for sure. <laughs> New Zealand's pretty cool, to be honest with you. Yeah, I that's definitely top of my list. All right, I got the last one here. I'm going to put you right on the spot. This might, this might ruffle some feathers, but who is your favorite co-host on the Working Class Bowhunter team? Oh, boy. <laughs> I got to go Doug, man. Doug's my boy. <laughs> Ride or die. <laughs> Ride or die, man. He's an Iowa boy, and I mean, I've known him the longest, and he got me into bow hunting and taught me a lot of shit, so he's my boy. I love it, man. I didn't mean to, to divide you guys. You guys are all great dudes, and appreciate everything oh, you no, guys I'm have gonna done. Oh, no, I'm going to catch a lot of sh- I'm going to catch a lot of shit for that, <laughs> but oh, well. That's all right. I no. had to put you on the spot. Oh, yeah. It's all good. Yeah. Well, cool, man. I it's think that's good, it. Man. I'm going to wrap this bad boy up. Hell yeah. Appreciate coming on doing time. this. Great time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I mean, you know, you first mentioned me like, I'm going to have you on, but I really need to think this one out and ask you some questions. I'm like, oh, boy, I don't know what I just got myself into. <laughs> did I do all right? Oh, yeah, you did great, man. I had a great time. Did you think the the angle? Because I didn't tell you what we were going to talk about. Did you think the angle I went at was was all right for you? Oh yeah, I'd rather be surprised because then, like, if you would have told me, then I would have had time to think about it, and it would have sounded all stupid. Yep. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I that's that's something that always intrigues me. Stuff like that, like you know, you. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. You know, being an outsider from Iowa, uh, it's. there's a persona that I feel, and I don't know if a lot of people listen to this that are not from Iowa feel it too, but it's like, I want to feel, what I want to know is like what people that grow up there and hunt, what they think and feel like, is it, is it frowned upon to kill a lesser deer? And what I mean lesser, like a Pope and young, you know, is it like, right. and, And I know it's very broad. Like there's pockets in in Iowa that like that might be the biggest deer you're gonna get, but sure year in year out you're seeing the biggest deer in the Midwest getting pulled out of Iowa. It, it's what it is. Mhm. You know, and that's like growing up, I didn't know that was like I didn't know Iowa was like the state to be in to hunt whitetails. You know, we're just going out in the woods and. <laughs> running around chasing deer, you know. I didn't know anything about it until I started doing a podcast and learning about other states and everything. Everyone's like, yeah, Iowa's the place to be. I'm like, oh, shit. Well, I'm glad I grew up here. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's uh, – you did awesome job. I appreciate the conversation, man. And uh, I know we're going to have many more, honestly, and I got to oh, get yeah. out there. I'm going to try to make it out to the new studio here – and honestly, if if I can make it work, it might happen here in July, July or August. I'm gonna try to make it out to the studio, um, 
on the way down to Illinois, putting in food plots down to the lease. So I'm hoping, hoping we can make that work, man. Yeah, you got to come by and see it, man. It's it's like ninety, I would say ninety eight percent done. Good deal. We're all we're on all the we're all the finishing touches right now. So all the lipstick, putting all the lipstick on it. Yep, that's right. Lipstick and eyeliner and whatever else we got put on it. <laughs> the blush. <laughs> Yeah, we got to make it look pretty, you know. <laughs> exactly, you got to. Well, hey, yeah. I appreciate you coming on and doing this. Thank you very much, and uh, I think uh, a lot of people will enjoy this conversation, so thank you. Yep, no problem. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, no problem. And there you have it, another great episode in my opinion. Hopefully you guys agree with me. Eric, thank you very much for coming on, man. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, also, just want to leave you guys with, like I do every week, Go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, please, and leave a written review. That would be greatly appreciated. If you like the show, go tell a friend. That'd be awesome. If you don't, just forget it ever happened. So thank you guys very much, and don't forget, we will see you right here next week on The Fall Podcast. Podcast.